Unless, you, uh, unless you're online and we're friends and you've seen some of my updates, you probably weren't expecting to see me today. I was supposed to be, according to my plans, in Israel. Uh, last, uh, this past Monday, I left my house, bags packed, and drove to the airport in Newark, New Jersey. We were supposed to do a, a nine-day trip to Israel but when we got to the airport, uh, we were kind of waiting for the prime minister of Israel to confirm or cancel a, a statement that they were looking at a mandatory 14-day quarantine for anybody flying in to the country from anywhere. And so we kind of hung around there at the airport for a while, and then, and then they made that announcement and said, anybody that comes here is going to spend 14 days in quarantine. And we said, well, that won't be us. And uh, so aren't you glad that God can not only open doors, but he can close them too? Amen. Amen. I need God to close some doors on me or I'd walk myself into a mess. And he did. He took care of us and said, trust me, son, you don't want to go to Israel that bad. You can wait. So I'll go later. But we're here, and, uh, and here's uh, what I said Wednesday night in our night of worship. I said, here's the double blessing, because God's always a blesser and a double blesser. The double blessing is my dad was going to be going on the trip with me. He was actually sitting at a, uh, at a terminal in JFK Airport about an hour away, and we were going to be connecting and going on that trip. And so since uh, his trip was canceled and my trip was canceled, uh, I asked him if he'd come back here with us. So we got to hang out for the whole week, and you're going to be blessed today because I've asked him to come and to share the Word of God with us today. I have the privilege of calling him Dad. I'm only one of a few people that get to do that. Most people know him as Archbishop Ken McNatt. He pastors a great church in Hamilton, Georgia, and uh, since he wasn't going to be there last week, He's here, and he's going to bring the word. So I want to ask you if you would help me make him welcome as he comes to bring the word this morning. Yes, amen. One of the few people I'll hug. <laughs> Hallelujah. So good to see you here today. Good to be in God's house and be in his presence. I've enjoyed so much already the earlier service and then your worship before God as we have entertained His presence already. And as Pastor Aaron said a moment ago, you know, the steps uh, that we take should always be ordered of the Lord. And if they are, we'll wind up exactly where He wants us to be when He wants us to be there. And I feel like that's what this is all about today. I uh, don't get to spend a whole lot of time with Pastor Aaron and his family, my beautiful daughter-in-law, three beautiful granddaughters here. And so when these moments come, they're very special, very special. And so I'm very grateful and that they uh, made room for me this week. Hallelujah. But to be able to be here with you today and to share the good word of God is just an extra blessing. And I think it's quite unique that the theme and the series that has been spoken is the kingdom of God. And it'll be spoken next Sunday also, if I understand correctly, leading right up to uh, things that are going to be happening as the Lenten season continues to move forward toward Resurrection Sunday. 
I bring you greetings from the most beautiful girl in the world. She's been my girlfriend for 46 years, and I figured I'd just keep her. <laughs> Amen. As a matter of fact, in April, we will celebrate 46 years of marriage, and uh, God has blessed us with three good-looking young men that are our sons, beautiful grand, uh, our beautiful daughters-in-law, and uh, 11 beautiful grandchildren. And so we're very blessed. And I know that doesn't look possible since I only look 39, but uh, it's just the way it is. Hallelujah. I also bring you greetings from Cathedral of Hope in Hamilton, Georgia, as well as Global Harvest International Fellowship, which I'm the presiding archbishop over. We are a fellowship of ministries and churches in over 60 nations around the world. Something that God birthed in our spirit back in 1998. And here we are, 22 years later, amazed at what God has done. He is an amazing God. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Look at somebody and smile. I'm not going to ask you to do a lot of touching today. But look at somebody and smile real big and tell them, you know, you're already looking better. Would you just let them know that? Hallelujah. How many of you know things look better in the presence of God? Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. The Bible said in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I want you to open with me, if you will, please, to the gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number one. The gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11, and verse number one. And here we find Jesus at a place in his life and ministry where he has been asked by the disciples to teach them how to pray. And the scripture says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say. Everybody repeat that one word with me, say. say. Come on, one more time. Say. You can't pray if you don't say. Now, I know it sounds pretty and nice and brings solace and comfort that God understands the prayers of your heart. Now, he does know the thoughts and the intents of the heart, but God has never said anywhere in the Bible you can pray from your heart. You have to pray with words. Words is the outlet. Words is the vehicle that God has given us to communicate what's in our heart to his heart. Words is the vehicle, the instrument, the conduit that carries our faith from where we are to where we want to be, from what we're experiencing to what we want to see. So words are very important. If I, have, if I had time today, I could just deal with words for a while because words are so important. God created everything with words. In the beginning, God said. Amen? And the Bible goes on to tell us you cannot be converted unless you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
The Bible says, when you pray, say. The Bible says, listen to this carefully, if you say to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and doubt not in your heart, but believe what you say, you will have whatsoever you say. So if you don't say something, nothing will happen. Now, a lot of us say a lot. We're just not saying what God says about a situation. And that's what the kingdom is all about. The kingdom is about aligning our lives, our thoughts, our conversations with what God says, with what God thinks. Talk, God talk. Are you still here? Now, you're going to find that I like people helping me preach. And since I'm going to abide by the protocol in this season, I'm not going to come down and be touching you or getting in your face, which I like to do. But I still am going to expect you to help me preach. Is that all right? Look at your neighbor and tell them he's going to ask for your help today. Now, look at it quickly. As Jesus is asked by the disciples for a lesson on prayer, he says to them, when you pray, say, Our Father which is or which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come unto me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. And I say unto you, Ask. Somebody repeat the word say. say. See, that's what it has to do with. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be open. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil or natural or carnal, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Another verse and another translation uh, I shouldn't say another verse under the passage that has this same prayer and this same message in it in the Gospels says, the Father will give you good things when you ask Him. Somebody say, good things. good things. 
I like what Pastor Aaron said a little bit early, earlier about goodness and mercy shall follow you. I love the scripture that says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I love the scripture that says in Psalm 103, he will satisfy your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Aren't you glad God's a good God? Aren't you glad God has good things for you? Aren't you glad that God has offered a spread, a table, a banquet, and says, oh, taste and see. Hallelujah. So I want us today to delve into this thought, this idea about the kingdom of God, how it pertains, how it relates to you and I in the now and what God is expecting of us as kingdom citizens. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you give unto your servant today liberty, liberty to proclaim truth, At the same time, we thank you that you give the people a heart of receptivity, ears that are open to hear what the Spirit says. And we thank you, Lord, that as a result of these things, change and transformation will manifest, that our lives will become bigger and better in you, and that we will truly begin to take on the assignment of kingdom citizens in the earth realm. And for everything that you do, we give you praise for it in advance because we know that you will do something good in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Now, as the apostle is recording this and writing this, he's talking about the life of Jesus. And I didn't deal with this this morning, but I feel impressed in this service to talk a little bit about it. Jesus lived a life of prayer. As a matter of fact, so many times we become enamored by his miracles. We see the signs, the wonders, the miracles that happened in his life as he turned water into wine, as he cast out devils, as he raised the dead. We're amazed when we see him take mud and put in the eyes of a blind man and the blind man sees We are intrigued when we see those that are deaf and dumb begin to hear and begin to speak. We're amazed when we see leprosy cleanse. And when we see the wonders of God displayed on so many levels, he says to storm-tossed Galilee, peace be still, and the storm ceases. We see him walk on water. We see him do all kinds of things that are amazing that violate the natural laws of man. Proving that when you get in the kingdom and the kingdom gets in you, you have the ability to supersede the authority of natural things. That God takes you, as was so well said by pastor in the earlier service, to a higher kingdom, to a higher dimension, to a higher level so that you don't look at things from the lowly perspective of human beings, but you look at things from the divine perspective of the father of us all and the king of the kingdom. And so the disciples have watched Jesus. And because they're with him constantly, they have not just seen the exploits and the miracles that he does in a moment but they have watched him spend hours in prayer. Mm. Lord, help me. I'm not going to be able to preach what I'm supposed to preach. 
They have watched him as he is tarried before the Father. Therefore, because of his tarrying and his waiting to receive instructions and to receive from the mouth of God what he is supposed to be about at this moment, in this day, in this segment, in this season, he is able to arise from the place of prayer, go about the Father's business, and whatever he does, he doesn't have to war with it, he doesn't have to struggle over it, he speaks and it happens. The problem with the church today is we spend just a little bit of time in prayer and it takes us hours to get an answer. Some of us it takes days and some it takes weeks and months and years and some don't ever get an answer. And the reason is because we want God to do miracles but we don't want to spend time in communication. And the Bible said the disciples had observed him praying. And when they watched him in his prayer life, they said, we want to learn to do what you're doing. Teach us how to pray like you're praying and get results like you're getting. And so he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, holy, revered, be your name. Thy kingdom Come. Notice, he didn't say, ask God for the kingdom. He said, decree the kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Everybody say, come kingdom of God. That's what he is teaching them, that you have been given the inerrant right by the grace of God to call for the kingdom to manifest. Why? Because you are in the kingdom. And you're not only in the kingdom, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but the kingdom of God is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. So it's within you. You can't observe it from a natural perspective. It's not flesh and blood. As a matter of fact, the Bible said flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom. What's going to inherit the kingdom? That which has been renewed and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What's going to enter the kingdom? The real you. See, we've had it wrong for so long. We've thought that we are human beings having a spiritual experience. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spirit beings having a human experience. The Bible says God is a, aha, I knew somebody knew it. If I waited long enough, somebody would speak it out. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot worship a God who is a spirit with a carnal mind. You cannot worship a God who is a spirit with your natural level of intelligence and understanding. You have to step over into another realm where God moves, lives, and operates and begin to communicate from the perspective of a divine nature. Teach us how to pray. And so he begins to give a model prayer. He does not give them a prayer of repetition. 
This is not something they are supposed to say verbatim every time that they kneel on their knees and pray and once they've said it, it's over. Jesus is showing them an outline. When you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, holy, revered, be your name. What's the first thing we do? The first thing we do is we begin to exalt his name. The first thing we do is we begin to brag on his name. That was why many years ago, Pastor Aaron, one of the things that I did was I began to learn the redemptive names of God in both the Old Testament and names that are revealed in the New. And as I began to look at the redemptive names of God, I made that a part of my prayer life. I would tell God, you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. You are Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness. You are Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord who is the captain of the armies of God. You are Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. You are Jehovah Sabaoth. Hello. First time I read that in the Bible, I thought it said Sabbath. And I read it again. I said, wait a minute, Sabbath isn't spelled like that. And I found out it was a different word. It was the word Sabaoth, Lord of hosts. Amen. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, the Lord who sees to it. You are Elohim, you are Adonai, you are El Gibor. I mean, I begin to see all of these things and how they were applicable to redemption and how they were applicable to you and I in understanding the magnitude of his majesty. And when I began to delve into that, Pastor, there was something begin to leap on the inside of me. And I got excited about just coming before him and telling him who he was. And so the disciples said, when you pray, do that. Do that. Tell God who he is. Somebody says, well, don't you think God knows who he is? Oh, absolutely. He knows who he is, but he wants to know, do you know And so when you begin to follow the pattern and you begin to do that and you begin to worship him as the wonder worker, as the way maker, as a rock in the weary land, as the cup that runs over, as you begin to worship him as a prophet like unto Moses and worship him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, as you begin to worship him, all of a sudden something begins to come alive on the inside of you and now you're ready to shift gears and go to the next part of the prayer. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now, we're moving from adoration to declaration. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God in the earth as it is in heaven. Some of y'all are looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. Or as we would say in West Texas when I pastored there like a bullfrog in a West Texas hailstorm. <laughs> I am preaching to you the B-I-B-L-E. I'm not preaching to you a philosophy. I'm not preaching to you my theology. I'm preaching to you the Word of God. And I'm telling you that God has not only given us the ability to approach Him with worship, with adoration, with thanksgiving, with praise, but He's also given us the right, the privilege, and the authority to come before Him and to decree a thing. Come boldly into the throne room of grace. Make your petitions known unto God. Don't 
come like you're a little beggar. You're not a beggar. You're a child of the Most High. You belong in the throne room because the scripture says that as Jesus was exalted on high and sat down at the right hand of the majesty, he then lifted us, raised us up to sit together with him. See, a lot of us, we can quote verses, but we don't have a clue what we're saying. When the word of God tells me that I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, I'm going to worry about the things of this life. That's why Jesus again said, take no thought for your life. That don't mean don't plan. That don't mean put your brain in neutral. No, it just means don't worry. Don't get caught up. Don't get stressed. Don't be anxious. Take no thought for your life, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on, where you're going to live. Are you going to make it? Can I pay my bills? No, I get stressed out of any of those things because I know in whom I have believed. And as long as I stay connected to him and hear what he's saying and then carry that out and walk that out in the earth realm, I will be able to have good success. You know what that means? I'm going to have a good journey. See, a lot of people have a problem with the word prosperity, but you can't believe God and not believe in prosperity. Because prosperity means the same thing as success, having a good journey. That's what it is, that God wants you to enjoy the journey as you walk with him and talk with him. But here's the problem. There's a lot of people that are saying, God doesn't ever answer my prayer. You don't pray. I'm not going to get too close. I'll stay six feet away. <laughs> but I want you to get this in your spirit. It's vital. It's essential. We cannot be passive about communicating with God and then complain because we don't get answers. The Bible said it is the effectual, earnest prayer of a righteous man or woman that availeth much. Not a passive, puny prayer. Some little watered down, memorized, mimicked, learned prayer or creed that we have been able to develop over time. Now I'll lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul does. You might as well say, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what. <laughs> because you're not praying out of your heart, you're praying out of your mind. And your natural mind is a part of your carnal makeup. That's the reason why Romans 12.1 says that your mind has to be transformed by the renewing of the mind through the word of God. Amen? Amen? See, because your mind, your natural mind's going to think everything but what God thinks. But when you begin to get in tune with heaven, and I mean really spend time with God until you know that you've heard his voice, until you know you've received his instructions. How do I know it? I got peace about it. How do I know it? I feel that sense of assurance. How do I know it? Because there's calm even in the storm. So I've heard from God. I've got his voice. I've got his word on it. And so now, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. That's the reason why they can talk about COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever name they want to put on it. I'm not going to be afraid. 
I'm not going to allow fear to come. Am I going to use wisdom? Absolutely. But I refuse to fear. I will not fear. Though a host rise up against me. Why? Because as Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of what? A spirit of love and perfect love casts out fear. A spirit of power and the power of God will get rid of your fears. And a sound mind. That means your mind is not wishy-washy. Now I know that's not good vernacular or good English grammar. But you understand? Your mind is not vacillating. Your mind is set. The Bible said you are to fix your heart and set your mind on things above. And the only way you can do that is by talking to the one who is above. Well, let me get to my message. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. When God had this whole kingdom idea, it was before time. It was in the heavenlies. It was in his domain. Kingdom. The domain, the dominion, the rule of the king. So everything was under the auspices of his control. And whatever he said, that's what happened. And the Bible said somewhere back there in eternity past, one of his creation by the name of Lucifer, who was the most beautiful of all, rose up selfish and prideful and said, I will make myself like the Most High God. He got kicked out. He got thrown down. He was disconnected. And from that point until this has been and always will be a troublemaker. And the scripture says that somewhere along the process, God said, this kingdom thing is still in place here, but there, there, where I cast Lucifer and the angels that followed him, there is darkness, void, confusion, turmoil. Mm-mm, that's not going to work. And so the Bible says that God said, let there be light. And there was light. Isn't it amazing? The sun, the moon, the stars, the planetary system, none of that was created until four days after he said, let there be light. So the light didn't come from the sun. The light didn't come from the moon or the stars or anything else. The light was in his word. So the moment his word was released, light came on, illumination manifested, and he went to work. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, what is he doing? He's bringing order in chaos. The first thing he did before he ever started bringing order was turn the lights on. Because you can't have order in any area of your life in the dark. 
You've got to have illumination. And so the first thing that happened was God said, let there be light. And then he went to work on the rest and started putting everything in its proper place, in its proper sequence, in its proper order. And then he waited till the end for his masterpiece, which was you and me. He created man. How? After his likeness and in his own image. The imagio deo, the image of God, the perfect reflection of who he is, was created and then formed. He is the only one out of all creation that says he was both created and formed. All of the other things that had to do with the creative process were simply created with a God said. But the scripture tells us in the book of Genesis that God created man and then it says, and God formed him. So he was created before he formed him. I don't have time to get into all that, Pastor. I'll let you deal with it. <laughs> he created him and then he formed him from the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the ruach, the breath of God, and man became a living soul. And Adam's eyes that were once nothing but dust pop open for the first time and there the father is face to face and the first words he hears is, Adam, you're in charge. You're in charge of the kingdom of God's expansion in the earth because I want earth to look like heaven. Amen. See, anybody that understands anything about kingdoms realizes that the thing that makes kingdoms so great is as they expand themselves, whatever territories they take over, they take over with the purpose of making it look like the original or making it look like the conquering kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? That's what they do. At one time, the UK, that little island, England, on two-thirds of the world because of a kingdom mentality. It didn't have anything to do with the size of the original. It had to do with their influence. Ooh, hot dog Jesus, I'm going to run on Sunday morning. I said it had to do with their influence. And God says to you and I as kingdom citizens now, I want you to take the original I want you to take things as they are in heaven and bring them to earth. And I want you to begin to forcefully advance it. I want you to begin to bulldoze over all the opposition, all of the negative foes and the negative forces that are contradicting my will and my purpose and my plan. The same way that England was in the Bahamas. The Bahamas were under British rule. So what happened? They talk English. They talk proper. They drink tea. They enjoy crumpets. In the same way, the French ruled over Haiti. So what does Haiti do? Especially in the aristocracy of the land, they follow French customs. 
The nation speaks French. And they also conduct themselves in manners that reflect the French culture. If you go to Cuba, Cuba was once ruled by Spain. So what happens in Cuba? They speak Spanish. If you look at the architectural structures and designs in Cuba, they look similar to that in Spain. Why? Because the ruling kingdom always comes to take over. It didn't just come so say, we are here now. No, it comes to transform. It comes to make them like that which has conquered and overcome. And the same thing is true of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not come for the purpose of you and I just going to church. The kingdom of God has come so that you and I have as ambassadors of that kingdom divine authority and if necessary, divine immunity to carry out the business of God in the earth realm. So that when I say come kingdom of God, I say it with authority. I say it knowing that I have the ear of the Father because the Father's instruction has already been given for me to call on to demand a manifestation of the kingdom. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to make earth look like heaven. Our conversation, Paul even wrote this, our conversation is supposed to be heavenly. But how many of you know that's not happening very much? There's a lot of conversation in church that sure isn't heavenly. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm glad he's not talking to me or you. Come on, just. (laughs) A lot of conversation has nothing to do with the things of God that goes on even in church. That's why God didn't say forcefully, forcefully advance the church. Now he did say, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why is he going to build the church? Because the church is going to become the organism through which he moves, flows, and functions to advance kingdom ideology, kingdom structure, kingdom mentality, kingdom function, kingdom reality. I could go on and on and on. The reason that the church exists is to do kingdom business. It doesn't exist just to have a coffee break. Nothing wrong with coffee. I like it. I own half of Starbucks. (laughs) I love it. But that is not why I'm here. I'm not here just to blend in like a chameleon and look like everybody else and act like everybody else. I'm here to stand out because I'm unique. I'm unusual. I'm peculiar. I'm different. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I have a purpose. I have a reason to exist, to establish, to advance, to proclaim, to show forth the kingdom of God. Can I say it another way? How much time I got? Oh, man, I got to hurry. Let me say it another way. You and I, as representatives of the kingdom, have been sent just like Spain went to Cuba, France went to Haiti, England went to the Bahamas. We were sent to earth to colonize the earth. 
and make it look like where we come from. Where the, everybody on the earth talks like they talk in heaven, thinks like they think in heaven, act like they act in heaven. Look at your neighbor and tell them, boy, we're not doing too good at that. Come on. just Anyway. But this was the idea of God. This was what he had in mind as he began to set this structure in order and communicate these ideas to humanity. Colonize the earth. That word colonize is an amazing word because when you look at the root of the word colonize, the word colonize comes from the same root word as colon. Isn't that nice? Now let me show you the uniqueness of that. The colon, what does it do? It connects the mouth and the rectum. I can't believe he said that in church. Help them, Jesus. Now listen to me. What comes in is what goes out as long as there's a connection in the colon. You see what I'm saying? So whatever comes in the entry point is what will exit the exit point because the colon is connected. But if there's a disruption, if there's a break in the colon, then what comes in cannot go out and it cannot replicate in some way or another what has been brought because the communication is cut off. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. If you cut off the communication between earth and heaven or heaven and earth, then we cannot properly colonize the earth because we're not going to get the results of heaven on earth if there's a break in the flow or in the communication. So it is essential. Everybody say essential. It is essential that we make sure there's no breaks. That's why Paul wrote so much about division, about schisms, about being angry and being hateful and how you treat one another. That's why so much is written in scripture about these things because he knew those are breaking points. That's what will cause us to be separated instead of united. That's the one thing hell fears, the united church, the church walking in unity, the kingdom of God being advanced by people who believe Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. We may not dot every I just the same. We may not cross every T exactly alike. But if we believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever a believer in him should not perish but have everlasting life we can walk together and advance the kingdom it's so vital because there's a world out there in darkness in confusion and in chaos and they're waiting for somebody to turn the lights on are you still here I said they're waiting for somebody to turn the lights on. And the only way you can turn the lights on is with a God said. It just can't be. I got me a nice little message, a nice little outline, nice little sermon. No, no, no. It's a God said. God spoke to me. 
I became uninterested a long, long time ago with coming to the pulpit to preach a sermon. Anybody that's a good reader and has any abilities at all with voice inflection or presentation can deliver a sermon. You can go online and get sermons on just about any subject, and all you got to do is get up and read what is written. I'm not getting any help. But see, that's not going to help you because what you're doing when you do that is regurgitating something someone else thought about, and it probably didn't come out of their spirit. It came out of their mind. It came, and, and I'm not knocking it. Just, just stay with me for a moment. It came out of their theological study. It didn't come out of their prayer closet. But when you get with God, God gets with you and you open your mouth, the light comes on. I believe that today somebody's light is coming on. I believe the Holy Ghost is bringing illumination to your understanding so that you can see clearly some things that you could not see before. And in areas where you felt like you were stalemated or paused or treading water, God is showing you there's a way, there's a path, there's a door, there's an opportunity. And when you leave here today, you're going to leave with a different dimension of faith and a different level of confidence. And you're going to walk that path believing the kingdom has come. God's going to do what he said he would do and there's nothing or nobody going to stop it. Come on, give God a real praise. Everybody stand. I'm so amazed. I'm so amazed at how people conduct themselves in the realm of life in general. If someone we consider to be a star, someone we consider to be a highly revered political figure, film star, music maker, they come into a room and they're announced and people go crazy. They can take it to a whole nother level, especially when it comes to music, by handing the singer a mic and say, would you just sing a little something? And oh, everybody just swoons and sways because of their human natural talent and ability. But when we say give God a praise, who is the creator of all things, and who has sent you and I as ambassadors of the kingdom to the earth realm to colonize this earth. And we say God is in the room. Give him a praise. And the reason we're looking around is to see, are they going to stop so I can stop? Instead of realizing the shout of the king should be among us. And when we say give God a praise, I don't care if ain't nobody going to praise him. That's not good grammar, but you understand the words coming out of my mouth? I said, it doesn't matter to me if anybody praises him. You can sit there on your religion all you want to. But when somebody says, here's an opportunity to praise him, I'm going to lift my voice. 
I'm going to clap my hands. And if you don't watch out, I might even dance a little bit. Because I believe that the Lord is worthy of the best that we have. I believe God, who is the king of the kingdom, who reigns supreme, is worthy of all of our soul, our mind, our strength. We serve him. We worship him with everything we are. Do you love him? How many of you really love him? No, 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 no. You don't love him. Do you really love him? If you do, put your hands together. Make them happy hands. And clap unto the Lord and celebrate his name. Lift up your voice and give him a hallelujah. Give him a hallelujah. Pastor, I know I'm about two minutes from being over time. But I want to say this one thing. One of the reasons, and I've learned this recently, one of the reasons I love the word hallelujah is because hallelujah is not just a global sound. Hallelujah is not just a sound in heaven and a sound in earth. But hallelujah literally means, as it, at its gut level meaning, hallelujah means 10,000 praises. So if I say hallelujah, it's like 10,000 people saying praise the Lord. Well, what happens if I do it and you do it and you do it and you do it and you start multiplying that by 10,000? No, don't touch them. Look at them. Look at your neighbor and say, now we got something going. Come on, would you just, yeah, now we got something. Now, do you love him today? If you love him, let me hear you say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, I believe that you do. And Father, I pray for your people today. I pray in the name of Jesus that they will become contagious. (laughs) They will become contagious and infect their community with the spirit of truth. They will infect their environment with the kingdom of God. They will infect society with God's kingdom agenda. And that they will determine as never before to forcefully advance the kingdom of God so that we can colonize this place that you have blessed us with. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will also rise up with others who are praying across the land and around the world because Christians everywhere are praying together in a united effort to put a stop to this thing called the coronavirus. And so on this national day of prayer, on this day when the church is praying and people of God are praying, we make a decree from the throne room perspective. Coronavirus, go back from whence you came. Wither and die. Be defaced and destroyed. In the name of Jesus, by the superior authority of the precious blood of the Lamb, we command every alien entity that hell is dispatched to spread this thing to be scattered and to be confused. Let there be total chaos in hell. The enemy that came in one way flees seven different ways. We command the enemy to be scattered and the virus to go with them. And we call for healing. 
for calm, for peace, for wisdom. We pray for our leaders that you will give them uncommon insight. Give them a heads up. Give them inside information. Give them the ability to see and to know, not from their own human perspective, but something that is above and beyond them. Even though they may not be fully persuaded believers, we know that as the church prays, and you've done it before, you can do it again. You can use people that are ungodly to bless everybody. And they don't even know they're being used. I thank you for divine intervention. Heal every sick body in this room. Drive out every disease, every sickness. Those that are watching online, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of God will flood the atmosphere, fill their life, heal them now from the inside out, from the marrow of the bone to the extremity of their flesh. In the name of Jesus, down to the very molecular structure of their makeup, heal them. and save those who do not know Jesus. May they realize today you're as close as the mention of your name and that you still do what you said you would do. Whosoever, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you'd say, Archbishop, I have never Ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. But today, I want to give everything to Him. I want to turn my life over to Him. I need Him. I really need Him. Or maybe you're here and you'd say, there was a time I followed the Lord, but today, I have to be honest with myself and honest with God. I've allowed other things to cut off my relationship. And today, I want to reconnect. I want to reconnect. If you've never prayed the prayer, of asking Jesus to come in and take over or you've gotten away from God and you want God to reconnect and to reconvene His kingdom agenda in your life. When I count to three, His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. One, two, three. Let me see your hand wherever you are. Yes, yes, yes. God bless you. God bless you. Now, both for time's sake and for sake of following protocols that are in place, I'm going to ask everybody to do one final thing with me. Take your right hand and put it on your heart. Those of you that are saved, you know you love Jesus. You know your heart's right with God. I want you to help us. We need your help. Lift your left hand toward heaven as a sign of reaching for God, knowing that God's already reaching for you. And say this with me out loud. Dear God, I thank you for loving somebody like me. You loved me so much that you sent your son to pay a price I could not pay. I was lost and could not help myself. But Jesus died and rose from the grave. And I believe it. So today, I say, Jesus, come into my heart Take charge of my life. I give it all to you. Cleanse me by your blood. Write my name in the book of life. I'm your child now. Devil, your history. Be gone in Jesus' name. I turn my back on my past, my sin, 
my failures, my shortcomings, and I turn my face toward my future and toward God who loves me and who has redeemed me. So today, I boldly announce, I'm saved, I'm delivered, and I'm free in Jesus' name. One more time, give God a hand cup of praise if you believe it.